Hi, girls. My name is Brittany Laurie. I am going to be speaking on parenting on this week's podcast. I have three beautiful children, Riley, Allie, and Christopher. They are 18, 12, and 11. Um, When I was asked to speak about parenting a few weeks ago, um, I just started reflecting on my journey of motherhood. And when you think about parenting and being a mom, so many things come to your mind because it's truly this all-encompassing role, and it really makes up so much of who we are and what we do. The instant they lay that baby on your chest, you know that your life has been forever changed. Your heart now permanently lives outside of your body. And you are different than you were before. And being a mom really does change you in all the best possible ways. But really, it's the work that God does in you through motherhood that is really unlike anything else. I became a mom a lot earlier than I anticipated and not in the way that I thought it would happen. The summer after I graduated high school, I got pregnant. So at 19, unprepared for sure— And a little immature, or maybe a lot immature, I started my journey into motherhood. And maybe some of you are in that same position. Maybe you are a single mom. Maybe you are a lot younger than you thought you would be Um, becoming a mom. Maybe you're a lot older than you thought you would be. Maybe you're raising um, kids that aren't even naturally yours, but however you have found yourself on this path, it is a gift. In Psalms 127.3, the Bible says, children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from Him. So part of the title of the message was something along the lines of parenting in the modern world. And as I was thinking about that and really just trying to take into account um, our world today and all of its challenges and all of the agendas that are being pushed and all of this evil that seems to be put on display, I was also reading through Judges at that same time. And there is some pretty gnarly stuff going on in Judges, if you've ever read that. And even really throughout the Old Testament, you see all kinds of evil things being put on display and evil things happening even thousands of years ago. And then Jonathan and I were driving to Riverside the other day, and we were just listening to this message from Pastor um, Billy Graham. And it was probably in the 60s, and he was just explaining what was going on in the country at that point and how much division there was, and how much racial divide, and how the violence and crime seemed to be the worst it had been in a hundred years. And that just got um, me thinking, you know, every generation of mothers before us had to face their own set of unique challenges and combating the culture around them and preparing their children to thrive in this fallen world. And that really is our most important job. It obviously is to love, protect, and nurture, and encourage, but also to prepare. I think the most glaring and obvious thing that we have now that we hadn't had in the past is just the use of technology and social media. And as harmful and distracting as that can be for our kids and young teenagers, and we talk about that a lot, as we should, I also believe it can be a huge stumbling block for us as mothers. I've caught myself time and time again just in the vortex of the phone. You know, life is happening right in front of me. My kids are growing up. There's lessons to be taught. There's games to be played. There's snuggles to be had. 
but I am distracted in my mind over nothing. I think now, too, once social media finds out that you're a young mom, you are bombarded with advice, tactics, methods from people with very strong opinions on what you should do specifically without even knowing you. There's so much noise and so much stuff being thrown at you. It's actually wild and can be super overwhelming. I think before when you wanted advice, you would actually have to like kind of seek it out. You would have to purchase the book, um, listen to something like this, go find the blog. But now you're getting all sorts of advice, whether you've asked for it or not. I think sometimes instead of advice, you just need someone to hold your face and look you in the eyes and say, you're doing a good job. There's some things you can be doing better, but with the Lord, you'll figure those out. You are called. God is with you. He won't leave you to do this on your own. So treasure these moments and soak it all up. So I hope this podcast will be a little mixture of both of those things, a little face hold and a little advice. So as I was reading, researching, and reflecting, I landed on a few topics and principles that I want to talk about, things that I'm still learning and growing in 18 years later. So I don't want you to think for one second, because I'm the one giving this podcast, I have it all figured out. I am on my knees more times than not, for sure, praying and asking the Lord for advice. So it goes without saying, we are to provide and nurture our children physically, meeting all of their needs for survival in this life. But we also are to do this spiritually. And part of the ways that we do this is through discipline. So part of our job as parents, whether we like it or not, is to discipline our children. You may be naturally gifted in this area, or this may be a struggle for you. Disciplining is not my favorite thing about parenting. But to not discipline is clearly shown in scripture as to not love your children. I like the way the message translation puts Proverbs 13, 24. A refusal to correct is a refusal to love. Love your children by disciplining them. I was reading in 1 Samuel, and it's a story that I've heard so many times over the years, but it really struck me in a whole new way because it was just an example of what to do as a parent and what not to do. So we know Samuel is the son of Hannah, and Hannah was unable to conceive, and she was crying out to the Lord, asking and begging him to bless her with a child. And he did. She became pregnant and had Samuel, and in return, she dedicated him to the Lord, both figuratively and literally. So she literally gave Samuel to go study at the tabernacle when he was of age. So Samuel went and lived in the tabernacle, and one night the Lord was speaking to Samuel. At first he thought it was Eli the high priest, so he kept going into Eli's room, and Eli was sending him back, it's not me calling you. And finally he said, it's the Lord, you need to listen to what the Lord is saying. And the message that the Lord gave Samuel that night was was crazy. So basically, I'll paraphrase here, but Um, The Lord told Samuel, tell Eli, I'm going to carry out my threats against Eli and his family because his sons are blaspheming the Lord and Eli has failed to discipline them. 
So, wow, here we have a man of God who was a high priest and judge of Israel, and he failed so miserably in the bringing up of his own sons and his lack of discipline, correction, and leadership in his son's lives ultimately led to their judgment and death. So on one hand, we see Hannah, this example of a woman, a mother, giving her son to the Lord and dedicating him to the Lord. And on the other hand, we see Eli who blew it so badly and ignored God's warnings that it led to his son's deaths. So we see we must discipline, but there's a right way to discipline and a wrong way. In Tim Keller's book, Wisdom for Navigating Life, He says the word discipline means to punish, while the primary goal of parents is to teach what is right in an environment of love and light, one of the main ways to do that is to establish both boundaries and consistent consequences for trespassing of those boundaries for your children. Why? Because there is a design in the world, and to go against that brings natural consequences. If parents do not carefully control unpleasant consequences into their children's life, they will go out into the world and bring far more painful and harmful results upon themselves. Inflicting minor sadness now avoids great despair later. A few pages later, he says, Proverbs warns to not discipline is to hate them and to discipline is to love them. So don't let your children emotionally blackmail you. For if you crumble and refrain from discipline, you're loving only yourself, not them. That spoke to me so much when I read that because discipline is hard. It takes time, energy, thoughtfulness, and some grit. There are times when I'd simply rather not deal with it because I know how exhausting it can be, especially if you have a strong-willed child. I don't know about you, but there are times where I'm even like, giving out consequences, and they're actually breaking my heart. You can see the sadness and discomfort they're feeling, and you just want to take it all back. But I think there's so much wisdom in that that line where he says, inflicting minor sadness now avoids great despair later. There are a few things I've noticed when it comes to disciplining that I need to fight against. Um, The first one is just being lazy, is laziness. Like I said before, disciplining requires time, wisdom, prayer, follow through. I think laziness can also be a byproduct of discouragement. There have been times where I really have been intentional and trying to set up clear boundaries and structures, and I'm really trying to pour into my kids, but they don't. it doesn't seem to be working the way that I'd hoped, or maybe I'm just not seeing the fruit as quickly as I would have liked. So in a sense, I feel defeated and discouraged, and it leads to me being more apathetic and lazy in my approach to parenting. But during those times, I like to meditate on one of my favorite verses in the Bible, Galatians 6, 9, and let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. And thinking about that verse and meditating on that verse, I'm just reminding myself that this is the good work. This is what God has called me to do. And it can be exhausting and it can be discouraging. But if we hold tight to God's promises and trust him, I believe I will see a reward and that he is working in me and also my children. 
I think the second thing that I can struggle with is not disciplining out of a place of love. I think a lot of times we can discipline out of a place of frustration and possibly even anger because our pride and ego have been hurt. Either our children are not representing us in the way that we would hope, or they're just being openly defiant and disrespectful, which can be really hard because here we are taking care of them, providing for them all of these things. And then when they're disrespecting us, we can take that really personally. There absolutely needs to be respect in your home and there needs to be that parent-to-child relationship where there are boundaries and expectations. We see time and time again in the Bible where it commands children to honor their father and mother. But when it comes to discipline, we should always be disciplining out of our love for our children and our desire to reconcile them back to God and not out of anger or resentment. In our anger and resentment, it can lead us to be overcritical and overbearing. In Colossians 3.21, it says, Fathers or mothers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. The word for provoke, according to gotquestions.org, in the original Greek language means to irritate or to arouse feelings such as anger, hurt, shame, and fear to the point of exasperation. The image is of an overbearing disciplinarian who constantly corrects and rebukes a child for every little mistake or perceived wrong. So we want to correct and point our children back to the right path, but do it in a way that we will not break their spirits. We must constantly check our own hearts and emotions as we discipline and ask God to realign our spirit with His for to the true purpose of disciplining. An area that I see the Lord working in me, especially um, as my kids get older, is just in the realm of fear and anxiety. I think when our kids are younger, there's so many things that you control in their lives. But as they get older, that control becomes less and less. There's also this mounting pressure you start to feel as they're going to be launching into adulthood and starting life outside your home. It's like you want to fix and correct and change behaviors and patterns and attitudes in them before that happens. And one day I was just sitting there and I was just, I was feeling that pressure and that worrisome feeling was just coming over me. And I just felt the Lord talk to me ever so sweetly. And he said, Brittany, there are some things I have called you to do. You are to nurture, love, protect, encourage, discipline, pray for your kids. But there are some things only I can do. We are not our children's Holy Spirit. We cannot convince and convict them of their sin. We can do the best job as mothers as we can to gently point out these things to them and point them to God's word. But ultimately, God is going to have to do that work in their hearts and minds, and we have to trust that he will do that. I think sometimes out of fear and anxiety, we can become over-controlling and manipulating different circumstances or setting up their lives in such a way that they will never suffer a consequence, or they will never even be able to find their way into trouble, or they are never confronted with hard decisions and chances to make a mistake. 
Ultimately, our children will be living outside of our homes, and they will be the bosses of their own lives, and they won't have mommy there to make their every decision. So we cannot let our fear and anxiety take over to the place where we're not letting them learn lessons while they're under our roof still. There are so many opportunities for them to learn and grow, and there's opportunities for us to disciple them as they're growing up. And we're going to miss out on those opportunities to do that and really prepare them for the life that they were meant to live if we are over-controlling and helicoptering over every situation and every circumstance. When I'm overwhelmed and I see myself projecting things into my children's life way too far into the future or putting worst-case scenarios on certain aspects of their life, I go back to the scripture, Matthew 6, 34. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow brings its own worries, and today's trouble is enough for today. So in those moments where I find myself and my mind running away, I pray, Lord, just help me focus on today. Help me focus on what's happening right in front of me. Give me just enough wisdom for right now. Father, don't let my anxiety and worry come out in the way that I'm parenting or disciplining my child or trying to overly control their lives. Let me focus on today. Give me just enough grace and wisdom for today. So on to daily grace and wisdom. Um, When Levi Lesko was here a few weeks ago, he vaguely talked about using the right tools for the right occasion. And my mind went immediately to a picture of a mom with like a little tool belt on. But it also made me think of this story. Uh, There's a rock in Hawaii that my family likes to go to. And we go to this rock. Everyone jumps off. The jump is pretty high. But um, how you get out is you swim over to another rock and climb out onto that rock. That's how you get out of the ocean. So we've done this multiple times, but we went one time and the swell was a lot bigger than it had been in the past. So the waves were coming in a lot, a lot stronger and a lot higher than they were. So we're all jumping in, doing our thing, and... Because the waves were bigger, the timing on how to get out of the ocean onto this rock really mattered. Like you, when the wave came up, that was your opportunity to climb onto that rock and get out. You could not hesitate because if you did, there was a chance that you would get hurt. So we're doing this and one of my daughters, you know, she's going to get out of the ocean onto this rock. And so the wave comes up, but she's hesitating and she's kind of freaking herself out. And so she does end up getting hurt and cutting her hand pretty good that day. So the next year we go back, the swell is perfect. The waves are perfect. Like, no problem. So we're all jumping in again. And my same daughter that had got hurt the last time was thinking in her mind, you know, probably, okay, last time I got hurt, I cut my, I cut my hand. So as she's getting out of the water, she's like hesitating. She's like not wanting to do it. She keeps looking at the rock and I'm standing on top of the rock, looking down at her like, oh my gosh, get out. You're fine. You're literally fine. Like get out of the rock. I'm like yelling down at her and Jonathan's in the water with her. And he's looking up at me like, just stop, just stop, you're done, stop yelling. And he's in the water with her face to face, talking to her, guiding her through it. 
So she does. She eventually gets out of the water onto the rock, and then he tells her, okay, I want you to do that four more times. And she's like, what? No, like, yeah, four more times. So she does it, and she gets out of the rock. And so we get back to the car, and he said, okay, that wasn't a how to get out of the ocean onto the rock lesson. That was a life lesson. And then he goes in to just explain how that situation can apply to all parts of her life. And I totally would have missed that opportunity because I was using the wrong tool for the wrong occasion. Every day we have the opportunity to ask God for that fresh wisdom and grace that he would give us the eyes to see what situations need what tools. Also grace that we wouldn't miss the opportunities we have in our everyday lives to teach our little ones about God, his word, life in general, and just helping them build their character. Lastly, I want to hit on encouragement, sharing our stories, and prayer. At our recent retreat in March, we had Ann Graham Lotz and her daughter Rachel Ruth came out, and Rachel Ruth gave a message on passing the faith baton and what that really means, and she really hit on encouraging our children and speaking life over them and spending time with them and sharing our experiences with them and how this next generation just needs to be loved on. And I walked away from that session thinking, I want to be that mom. The enemy is after everyone, but he really wants this next generation. I want to be the one championing my children into all that God has called them to. I want to be there verbally speaking out and building them up to point out their gifts, to speak life, giving blessing over their lives. We know that the world is not going to do this for our kids. We know even that their closest friends most likely won't be doing this for them. And it is our great privilege and opportunity to be able to speak life and vision and blessing over our children. I asked all my kids what was one thing they liked that I did as a mom and what is one thing that they wish I didn't do. And while all their answers were funny and enlightening, Allie said, well, the thing is, is I know no one likes to get disciplined or corrected, but Something that really helps is when I am getting in trouble and you tell me your stories about when maybe you had the same problem and I can relate to you. And then I just don't feel so alone. I think sharing our stories with our kids at the right time and in the right way, being vulnerable and open with them and sharing our mistakes and lessons we've learned can be such an amazing instrument in the way that we can build that bridge to our kids and fill in that gap. Our testimonies and our stories can make a huge impact on our child's lives if we let them in. One of the most important things we can do for our children and for ourselves is to pray for them. There is no one else in the world that is going to stand in the gap for your children like you. There is no one else on earth that is going to get on their knees and pray for their children like you. And if you aren't doing it, really, who else is? When we go to the Lord and say, I love my kids so much. Here are the problems. Here are the victories. Here are the joys. Here are the frustrations. It's in our prayers that we start to trust God and believe his promises, where we give our children back to the Lord and recognize that they were never truly ours to begin with. But we have been given this beautiful and wonderful gift of loving them and guiding them 
and disciplining them and encouraging them while we have them here on earth. But ultimately, in doing those things, we are giving them back to the Lord. It's where we're reminded that as much as we love our children, there's a God in heaven who created them in our wombs, who knit them together in our bellies, who loves them with an infinite, undying love and has wonderful plans for their lives. I find so much comfort in that truth and so much peace, and I pray that you do too. Lastly, I just want to encourage you and cheer you on and remind you that in motherhood, we will experience some of the sweetest heaven-on-earth moments with our children, and then you will have those hard times and heartbreaking times. But know that you are called and equipped for both, that if you are seeking to do the best you can in going to the Lord for your strength and wisdom, even in your mistakes— and missteps, God will fill those gaps. You are doing the most important job in the world, and you have the most powerful, wise, loving God walking alongside you. I don't know exactly what it looks like in heaven, but I imagine this great cloud of witnesses or generations of mommies figuratively cheering us on in the same race that they have completed. You can do this. Keep going keep praying and loving and growing.